0: Hello friends, I'm Vance Rains, senior pastor of First Church Coral Springs. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this is a source of inspiration and faith as you grow in your walk with Christ. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the first epistle to Timothy, chapter six, beginning with verse 12. Fight the good fight whom God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. And now, O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart Be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So uh, today is Confirmation Sunday at 9.30. 14 young men and women of our church confirmed their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and their desire to be members of this church. They've been through a process of learning what it means to confirm their faith, what their faith is, what they believe. Uh, And these mirrors up here represent each one of them. One of the exercises that Chris Linderman does with them is he has them take a mirror and then write on it uh, what they believe. What is it that makes them a Christian? And they do that, interestingly, as they're seeing themselves, right? That's the idea, that what we believe is reflected in our life, uh, that, that, that we are meant to live it out so that people can see it. So I encourage you, before the service ends, come and, come and see what they've learned, see what they believe. You'll see some believe more than others, apparently. Uh, <laughs> no, I think some just summarize more uh, efficiently. Now, most of them Were baptized as infants, and so when they were baptized, uh, they didn't have a faith, right? They they were too young to have any idea what. They don't even remember it. Uh, So there were questions asked of the parents, not on behalf of the child, but of the parent. What What do you believe? And I'm going to go over those questions with you just a moment. Uh, But but the church, many churches, many denominations, offer this rite of confirmation so that there is an opportunity when a, a child grows up to, a, to an age of accountability, we say, for them to own that for themselves. So it wasn't just something done to them, now they can say, yes, I believe what my parents believe. Yes, I now confirm the faith of my parents which is now my own, right? And so we ask them to make a public confirmation, a public confession today, really around three things that they now have a personal faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that they are ready, I mean, they're already members by baptism, but they're ready to accept their membership in the church, specifically this church, specifically a United Methodist church, and their desire to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, there's an expression I hear used um, around confirmation, Sometimes when people talk about their own... How many of you were confirmed, by the way? Just curious. Okay, maybe Methodist, maybe others. Sometimes I hear people talk about, oh, I got confirmed in sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. I got confirmed in the Catholic Church. I got confirmed uh, in the church I grow up in. Uh, Or sometimes I hear parents or anxious grandparents say, oh, we really got to get them confirmed. We really got to get them confirmed, right? I said this to the confirmation class, and I want to say it to you today. Pastor Cheryl and I didn't confirm them. They confirmed their faith. They did the confirming today. Sometimes when we use that expression, I got confirmed, or I need to get the kids confirmed, makes it sound a little bit like we're doing magic. Right? Like, you know, we bring them up here, and we say the right hocus pocus, and now they're confirmed. Right, we we did some you know something like now and and listen I we we wear red today to symbolize the Holy Spirit. We, it was a ritual. We laid our hands on them. We prayed the Holy Spirit would confirm their promise. Right, we believe that something spiritual happens in these moments. That there's a blessing in this, just as we believe that in infant baptism that there's a blessing in it. But in infant baptism, what what is Really meaningful isn 't just the water that we do, the ritual we do, but that 's the outward expression of the commitment being made by the parents in the church. Remember we ask you that when we baptize a baby, Will you raise this church, this child in the Christian faith? We ask the parents, will you raise this child? right? So so there's nothing magical about baptism. It's it's asking for blessing on the commitment being made of the parent and the family and the church. Well, the same thing's true in confirmation. It's not the the laying of the hands on. That's symbolic. That's important. Don't don't get me wrong. But it's confirming a, a confession that the young person is making. It's a commitment they're making. The degree to which baptism and confirmation are meaningful is the degree to which we understand the commitments we make in those. And so it, the confirmation that happened today was the confirming that these young people did of who they are now in Christ and their desire to serve Him. Um, I, I, I shared this statistic, and this is a sad statistic. Uh, many consider confirmation graduation from church. I mean, it's just, just statistically true that there's a kind of a, a widespread commitment, like I need to get, get my kid confirmed, and then we don't see them again, right? They, they finish that, and then we, we don't see them again. And I, don't, I didn't say this to lecture the parents, but that's exactly the opposite of what confirmation is. Confirmation isn't graduation from a confirmation program. It's not graduation from a church it's the opportunity to begin a new life in Christ as a, as a young adult, to begin the journey of spiritual formation, to begin the journey of following Jesus through this life. I, I compared it a little bit. I said, and then, this will make more sense to adults than it did to the youth, but I said, I think confirmation's less like graduation, the end of something. And more like a marriage ceremony, a wedding ceremony. Because in a wedding ceremony, you also make a vow, right? This morning, they made commitments to their faith. Well, in a marriage, you made a commitment to a partner. And so I would say, as the pastor marrying you, I say, do you take this person to be your spouse to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until you are parted by death? And the answer is, I do, right? I do. Now, um, those of you who have been married any length of time or if if it didn't work out, I think you'll agree with me. What makes a marriage isn't the vow that you made on your marriage day. What makes a marriage is the vow you kept through your marriage. Do you follow what I just said? Right? It's not enough to just say the right answer on your wedding day. A, ma- a marriage, a successful marriage, is about keeping the vow you've made every day, for better, for worse, right, throughout your life. Well, I said the same thing about confirmation. It's not about, okay, you know the right answer, now you're done. No, you know the right answer, so you're making a commitment. Now live it as members of this church. So to put it in, in, in a way that I think the confirmation class could understand, I said, imagine that you try out for a sports team, you buy the uniform, but you never show up for practice or, uh, or the game, right? You're on the team, right? Who would do that? Well, that's what confirmation is, we, we, don't, we don't want them to just uh, get on the team and buy the jersey, we want them to play, right? And so that's what we ask them to do, to make a commitment to that. And I'll just tell you one more thing, and you can take this and do whatever you want with it. But I said to parents, you know, sometimes we put a really high value on things like confirmation. I gotta get that ceremony done. But the most important thing, I think that we can teach a child to become a respectable adult and a functioning adult is how to keep commitment. And so if it's been important for your child to be confirmed, now it's all the more important that you teach them how to keep the commitment of their confirmation. You follow what I just said? Okay. You all are sharp, good. So, the, so what I did in the other services and for the sake of the confirmation classes, is I went over the questions. There's five questions we asked them and I wanted to make sure they understood them. So we went through them and, you know, they're kind of big theological questions. I just put it in simple terms. But as I did that, I thought, you know what? It's not such a bad idea that we confirm uh, our own commitment from time to time, all of us, right, to be reminded, this is what I promise. This is what I said I believe. Do I still? So I'm going to go over the questions that we ask when we baptize a child, when we confirm a child. Uh, or when you join the church uh, by profession of faith, these are the questions we ask. I want to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what they meant. Because when we asked you before, we didn't tell you. We just made you at, answer the right question. I mean, the right answer, right? So I'm going to tell you what it means today so you know. So five questions. The first one is this. And after, at the end of this, I'm going to, after each question, I'm going to ask you if you do believe this, okay? So the first three questions are I do responses if you do. First question. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? In real simple terms, what that means is that there's a lot of evil in this world, right? There's a lot of pressure in this world to conform to ungodly things. And it's just acknowledging that. We're we're all bombarded with messages all the time about how we should be living our lives. It's very contrary to what God says. And so it's acknowledging that. I, I renounce all of those influences and I repent. Repent means turn around. What do I turn around from? My sin. Sin is anything that separates me from God. Anything that's an offense to, to God. Um, anything that's out of sync with God's teachings. Anything that's out of sync with God's will. That's sin. And so repent means I, just, I recognize I've been more in line with the world than I am with God. So I repent. I turn. I get a better direction. I'm going to line myself up with God again, right? I'm going to take my sin serious because sin matters. Sin is destructive. When I sin, that means I am settling for a life less than God has for me. And when I sin, it means that I also am potentially doing harm to you, right? That sin has an impact on me, but also on you, depending on, of course, on what it is. And so the question is, are you sorry for that? And do you want to change First John 1, 8, 9 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, that's the repentance, repenting of sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so here's the question. The answer is I do, I hope. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world and repent of your sin? I, that's just not convincing. Let <laughs> me give you another chance because I know like, we're the first of five questions. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness? Eh. No. Do you reject the evil forces of spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? I do. That's a lot more like it. Second question. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil and justice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? That means that we don't always live like we're supposed to live, right? And we don't always, we can become a little complacent sometimes and not do our part in making the world a better place. But notice it says, do you accept the freedom and power? That means you have a part, to doing something about the sin in your life and the sin of the world around you, but you're not on your own. That's why we lay hands and pray for the Holy Spirit because God helps us to be the kind of people that he wants us to be. We're not on our own in this. The Spirit enables us to live holy lives so that we can be a holy influence in the world. Or Jesus put it this way. He says, you are the light of the world, right? There's a lot of darkness in this world. Shooting in a synagogue yesterday, bombings in churches on Easter Sunday, and and a lot of things closer to home, right? There's a lot of darkness, but Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. Is your light shining? Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So here comes question number two. The answer is I do, I hope. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? I do. Good, here comes question three. Do you, and this one's a little, I mean, you know the answer, but I want you to think about it. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior? Put your whole trust in his grace as opposed to something else and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all nations, ages, and races. Ages, nations, and races. In other words, do you recognize you need saving (laughs) and you need a savior? Saving from what? Your sins that we have a natural propensity to sin. We have a natural propensity to getting lost, right? It says, all like sheep have gone astray. It's just, we just recognize it. Yep, I'm a sinner. It's, in fact, it says Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For it is by grace that we, you have been saved through faith. It is not for, this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You can't save yourself. Most of us are the ones who get ourselves in trouble. We can't be the one who gets ourselves in trouble and saves ourselves. We need a savior who's our savior, Jesus Christ. That's the whole point of what we just celebrated, his cross and his resurrection. That that this is a gift of God. I can't save myself, my, my, my spouse can't save me, my job can't save me, my bank accounts can't save me, the president can't save me, the army can't save me. Only God ultimately can save me from my sin. I need a savior and it's a free gift of grace. So what about the Lord part? Well, if I need somebody to save me from the problems I get myself into, then maybe I ought to, to, to start following somebody else. Lord ultimately is a question of rule. And so just like, you know, a team needs a captain or a coach, just like a, a, an army squad needs a, a, an officer. We, we need someone to show us the way. When I'm on my own, I get lost. All like sheep we go astray. Sheep need a shepherd. That's what it means when we say, Lord, Jesus saved me from my sin. That's his sacrifice. Now lead me so I don't get in so much trouble all the time. That's the Lord part, right? Right? So it says, Psalm 119, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. Then catch this next verse. We know that line, but look, I have taken on an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I need something to follow, and you give me the, one, the thing to follow. You are the one to follow. So here's the third question. It's an I do question. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? Nice. You're getting more enthusiastic too. So here's where it takes a turn in the questions. The first three, three, first three are, are theological, but then it asks for a commitment. Okay, you believe that, but what are you going to do with it? Because we understand that, that, that being a follower of Jesus makes me part of something, that, that I become part of the body of Christ by baptism. I become part of the family of God as God adopts me as his son or daughter. We become the household of faith. And so how I live out my beliefs is, is, is now how I practice that in my relationship with the church. So question number four, by the way, is an I will question. It says, as members of Christ's universal church, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church And to do all in your power to strengthen its ministries. In other words, it's not just a ritual they went through today. And the point really is not just to get your name on a roll. The point is to be part of a family. You're now part of a family, I told the confirmation class. You're part of a community. You have a contribution to make. You're members of the body of Christ, just like the rest of us. And so now... Will you be part of that and be part of strengthening its ministries? And I also mentioned, by the way, this isn't just any church in the world. This is the United Methodist Church. It's a particular expression of Christianity with a particular uh, history and theology and so forth. It's more than just belief now. It's about our commitments. Now, we're going to talk about what the commitment is, but just it begins with just saying, I do make the commitments, and I will question. Are you ready? As members of Christ's universal church... Will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? Now, I should have said this ahead of time, but I didn't. Some of you aren't members of our church yet, but you just said, I will. So if you're not a member already, but you just said, I will, I'd love to talk to you. (laughs) We'd love to welcome you. So come talk to us. We'd love for you to become official part of our church. So here's the last one, and this is really how do we live out that commitment to be part of Christ's church. The Final question, you've heard this one. As members of First Church Coral Springs, Will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? Five things. This is what it means to be a member. Not just to put my name on the roll, not just to have a pastor lay his hands on my head or her hands on my head, not just to go through a ritual. It's about living out a commitment. Let me just quickly say what these four five things are. Your prayers. You know what that is, right? But it's not just saying, do you pray? It's saying, Will you pray for your church? We pray for your pastors. Will you pray for? Uh, we had Lisa Primavera this morning. We prayed for her. she's getting on an airplane today to go to South Sudan. so we prayed for her in the church this morning. Pray for people who are grieving. Pray, pray for your members who are sick, praying for one another. You can be part of our um, prayer ministry, by the way. You can get an email every week of the prayer request and pray for those folks. Prayer. Second, presence. That means showing up. It's not present like Christmas presents. It's your physical presence. It means showing up. And it's not attendance like going to a sporting event or to a to a theater it's it's about being present in the community I'm involved I know people I'm connected that's what presence means third your gifts yeah you guessed it that's money It's your gifts. It's giving, it's supporting the ministry through your regular, faithful giving. You've heard me say this before. The biblical principle is the tithe, giving your first 10%. I said to the confirmation class, you don't have to wait till you graduate college and get a job. You can start now. Uh, When my kids had an allowance growing up as children, they had certain responsibilities around the house. They had three jars, and they got their allowance. 10% went in one jar, that was for the church. 10% went in another jar, that was their first savings account. And the rest they could spend any way they wanted. You can learn to start tithing as soon as... So I said, use your babysitting money. You can start doing that. And so can y'all. Okay. Fourth, your service. This next weekend, we have our Mission Together weekend. It's about serving. Jesus, the night before he died, washed feet as an example. To be a follower of Jesus is to serve like Jesus served. In the church, outside the church, we're called to be serving people. And finally, your witness. That just means your example. Can people notice through your lifestyle, through your values, through your words, that you're a follower of Jesus? Have you invited somebody to church lately? That's your witness. Have you told somebody what Jesus means to you? That's your witness. And so that's what we ask. If you're going to be a member of those five things, that that's what it means to be a member of this church. So I'm going to ask you the question. It's an I will question. As members of First Church Coral Springs, will you faithfully participate in this ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? I, do. I hope you will. Let's read this passage again one more time. This is the one I started with, but I just want you to see it again. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul was writing, Apostle Paul was writing to a young Christian leader named Timothy. And he's encouraging him in his leadership of the church. And he reminds him That you remember when you made that confession of your faith in front of lots of people? See that? When you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses? Sounds like confirmation, doesn't it? You remember your confirmation? That's what he's asking. I I don't know when your confirmation was. Maybe you were 12. For me, it was when I was baptized as a teenager before my senior year of high school. I remember it. I was asked in front of people, do you believe Jesus Christ is the only Son of God? I said, I do. And I got dunked. Right? That was my profession of faith. Do you remember, he says, the good confession you made? But notice it doesn't stop there. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Right? It begins with a confession, but then we live it out. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life that's ahead of us. So between now and my confession and my eternal life, what do I do? I fight the good fight of faith. That's why we ask our students to make a commitment. That's why I ask you to recommit, right? That's what confirmation means. It's not a ritual. It's an invitation to be part of the move of God in our world. And our 14-year-olds did it today, and I hope you did it too. Let's pray. And so, God, blessings upon our confirmands, we pray. May they begin a great life of faith with you. May they always know you as Savior when they they stumble. May they always turn back to you as their Savior. May they walk in your grace. May they always serve you and know you as Lord. Show them the way to a life that leads to eternal life, we pray. And we pray the same for ourselves. May the words you heard us speak today reconfirm our faith in you as we seek to be faithful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about First Church and our ministries, visit us online at welovefirst.church.